We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. Sam, it's here. The second round of the NBA playoffs against the Denver Nuggets again. How are you doing? <laughs> yo, yo, yo. We are back. I am doing well. Thank you for asking. Uh, people had a f- maybe 24, 48-hour break from us, and now it's time to break down the Denver Nuggets. And like you said, potential repeat of history. We'll see what happens in this series, but... um. I feel I feel okay about things, Mike. How do you feel? Yeah, you know, I'm excited. I'm trying to like maintain a, a positive attitude, like on non game days, because game days I become a mess. That's just a tradition. On playoff days, uh, yeah, <laughs> I struggle to maintain a positive attitude until the basketball starts. Once basketball starts, everything kind of settles in, and I'm just like, okay, now I'm watching basketball. I could think about things through the lens of what's happening in front of me. Uh, oftentimes before that on game days, I can't do that. Uh, but right now being that we're still a few days away, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I've done a lot of the research here. I've watched a lot of the film. I'm thinking through it all and we're going to do it like we always do it, which is cover what we think the biggest questions that are going to be answered by this series are, um, the same way we did for the first round, the same way we've done for the last two playoffs as well. I think that's the best way to approach it for now. Any general thoughts on facing the Nuggets that you want to talk about before we jump into our biggest questions? Like, <laughs> Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with something that we were saying uh, off the record before we started here in our little conversation to each other. Uh-huh. Um, I, I Look, I respect the Denver Nuggets. I think this is a much tougher opponent. Just candidly, this is a much tougher opponent, obviously, than the Los Angeles Clippers without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Um, and it's a tough opponent in general. The Suns absolutely could lose the series. All that being said, I felt worse about this matchup before I did the research. I felt worse about this matchup just under the assumption of they were the number one seed in the West. They have Nikola Jokic, the, the two-time MVP. And then once I delved into some of the specific matchups and the stats and the stuff that we're going to talk about over the next hour, presumably, I um, I feel better. I, I do. That's no guarantee, but I, I do feel better uh, after I put the work in. I've uh, spent the last few days trying to consume anything that I could where people are talking about the series just to kind of keep it on my mind and continue thinking about it while I did research. And I do find it interesting, and this will be something we talk about, of course, but I do find it interesting that all of the coverage about this series is about how the Denver Nuggets defend the Phoenix Suns and not the other way around. And I guess that bodes well for the Suns. You know, I think that just speaks to the level of confidence that people have in the Nuggets defense in the playoffs over the last few years more than anything else. 
but it, it does seem like that that is, you know, whether it be Zach Lowe or, or Tim Legler or whoever you want to cover that actually focuses particularly on basketball, Nikias or Steve Jones, for example, that's where it comes back around to, you know, JJ Redick too, for example. Um, and Man, I, you, you really made the rounds. You listen to all these guys talk about the series well, already. Unfortunately, I don't think the Dunker <laughs> Spot's done any previews yet, so I just read through there. Both of them had great threads. Yeah, I saw about those. the series. Yeah, and and you know those are the big questions, and I do find that interesting, and that's something that we're going to get into. But it is what it is. That's going to be the question that people have going into this, and I think in some ways that made me feel pretty good. <laughs> you know, in other ways I'm like, ah, maybe they're missing a different part of it. But we'll talk about it together. I came up with some questions. You came up with some questions. There's going to be some overlap of course do you want to go first and and start or do you want me to start here sure man i'll I'll go first okay. uh you may have more questions than i do yeah <laughs> as maybe. per as per usual <laughs> you you kind of bring binders of notes to these things um i sort of just have bullet points um first question i mean i'm just gonna start on the defense because you just you led right into it right yeah I, all those guys are talking about defense well obviously i'm thinking about defense too yeah same and my my question isn't necessarily well, here's how I phrased it. I said, how soon can the Suns force Denver's defense into desperation mode? Which I think implies right, right, right. a certain something by the wording because you notice it's not, can the Suns force Denver's defense into desperation mode? I think they can. I think the Suns' offense is going to have a pretty good series. I think the Suns' offense could have a great series and the Suns still lose that series. That's true. But it's it's a question of when, not if, for me. And so how is Denver... It's not so much is Denver's defense going to struggle at times in this series, because I think they absolutely are, but it's more a question of, and I think this reflects a lot of the talking points from those other national guys too, how aggressive do they start or, or how um, conservative do they start in their defensive approach rather, and how quickly can the Suns push them into being more aggressive? Uh, and then once they do push them into being more aggressive, if they can get them there, uh, what are the counters to that? I think we could talk about it. I think there are a lot of counters actually that the Suns have developed throughout this season. But do you have any first impressions? Let's just let's get right into it. How the hell are the Nuggets gonna defend the Phoenix Suns? I that that was my question as well. The this the Nuggets did multiple different things when the Suns played them last. The Suns are a different team, and I think it's important to remember the Suns are a different team, in particular. Uh, shooting wise because I think the last time the Suns played the Nuggets a lot of their offense came from spreading them out as much as possible and then picking on the weak links whether that be Michael Porter Jr. who not only is probably their worst defender on the court and yes he has improved I want to mention that too here but in that series he also had a bad back he was nursing a back injury in that series so of course the Suns were going to try to pick on him as much as possible the ideal defense against a Suns pick and roll in that series was Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic. That's who they wanted involved in pick and rolls as much as possible. What the Nuggets did in that series is they started out doing what they did in the regular season, which is playing at the level of the screen. So, you know, just in case there's people that don't listen to this podcast often, just to quickly break down what we're talking about when we talk about how they're defending the Suns. Most of it is is how they defend a pick and roll. The Suns have one of the most brutal and intricate pick and roll attacks possible with scorers all over the court. And ideally players playing in the exact role they're suited for. And what they did is played at the level of the screen, meaning Jokic played as high as possible to try to, you know, essentially either switch or hedge. They can decide in real time. And that high as, means, as high as possible without actually blitzing. Yes, without like forcing the ball to half court, exactly. Yeah. And they started at the level. It didn't work. He started playing a deep drop. It didn't work. He started playing a drop but higher. It didn't work. And, you know, they didn't really have a zone at the time. I'm wondering if they have a zone. I'm wondering if they try to switch and maybe force the Suns to use DeAndre Ayton in those switches. But, you know, that often will end up with Jokic guarding Booker. Uh, and yeah, I don't, I don't really know what they're going to do to start. I imagine they're going to try at the level again to start with Jokic coming out high and then retreating mm. back as, as quickly as possible with the help coming off the corners, which will probably be, well, we'll talk about it. The fifth guy, that's the fifth starter and trying to force the Suns to use that person as much as possible. When Jokic is at the level of the screen, they have a low man. That low man is often Aaron Gordon 
you know, it could be Michael Porter Jr. Sometimes it could be KCP, depending on who's involved in the action. One of the advantages of the Suns having a seven foot guy who can run a pick and roll is that maybe you bring Aaron Gordon out of it. And then the low man is KCP or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure what they do. Like it's the, no matter how you look at it. And this is the reason Zach Lowe talked about it. JJ Reddick talked about it. All the smart basketball guys talked about it. It's hard to think of a way that they could effectively guard the Suns in a pick and roll in this series with the personnel that they have. Uh, at least right. with the best five on the floor. They could change right. that up, but with the best five on the floor, it's hard to to picture it. Yeah, they've got I mean, they've got better defenders that they can throw out using their bench. Uh you know, I th- I think Denver actually has some pretty decent defenders on their bench. We can maybe talk about them later in the episode, mm-hmm. but those guys aren't going to help their offense. Ultimately, if they want to get past the Suns, they need Michael Porter Jr. playing heavy minutes because that's where a lot of their offense comes from. They need Jamal Murray playing heavy minutes. That's where a lot of their offense comes from. And so it's going to be difficult for them. I I actually think they might start this series and drop. Um even though it was yeah, so maybe. disastrous. Yeah. It it was so disastrous for them 2 years ago, but you know, I think they might call the Suns out a little bit, like call call our bluff on Chris Paul uh, and just kind of openly say Chris Paul isn't. And, and this is a, a big talking point in this series, too. We don't believe that Chris Paul is who he was two years ago. Um, just to throw out the numbers, Chris Paul two years ago, he averaged 25 points, uh, five rebounds, 10 assists and just one turnover per game in that series sweep against the Nuggets. He shot 63 percent from the field in that series he shot 75 percent from deep he didn't miss a single free throw he was insane in that series sweep and he murdered brutally murdered denver possession after possession yeah uh, in the drop obviously a lot of possessions are going to begin with chris paul again and and i wouldn't be surprised to see them dare him to become more of a scorer and just say look we're going to give you that shot because we don't believe you're the same guy uh that being said devin booker can kill the drop Kevin Durant can obviously kill the drop. I think at a certain point, even if they start there, they are going to have to play at the level. I don't think they're going to get more aggressive than that because I don't think they have that much faith in Nikola Jokic. In they his might have speed. to try a zone. Isn't that funny to think about this team trying a zone defense, by the way? A I, zone well, defense that potentially has Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, and Jokic on the floor that's, at the same um, time. I'll be honest, that's one of the blind spots in my analysis because you know I'm, it's just beyond the scope of I haven't watched enough Denver film to know how much zone they've played this year i don't have access to that data uh but i can't imagine that it's it's gonna be like a silver bullet for them you know i I think that's gonna be a little difficult too i want to fold part of one of my questions into this and that's who guards who and let's start with who on the nuggets starts on who for the starting lineup assuming their starting lineup remains what it should be which is murray kcp michael porter jr aaron gordon Jokic. Now, I think the only one that we can say for sure, <laughs> starting off here, is Aaron Gordon on KD, right? I mean, I'd be surprised yeah. if they try anything else, at least to start. You know, maybe KD starts to kill that at a certain point, and maybe they try something else at that point. But that's the only one I think we can say 100% for certain. I think the second most likely is that KCP is on Devin Booker because he's just their second best defender in their starting lineup, right? Agreed. Yep. Okay, so we put that away here. Now we're talking about them potentially playing a, a drop defense on the Suns. And we're let's just let's just start with assuming that Jokic is on DA, which by the way, maybe that's not the case to start. Maybe they put Jokic on the fifth guy, which we'll talk I, about who that fifth I, guy is. I, I think that's overthinking it. But yeah, they could they could do the Zubats thing like the Clippers did. I bet a they try it at some point, right? Some point yeah. they're probably gonna try that. Yeah. That's but fine. Let's say Jokic is on DA. Now we have the two other two guys. Are we assuming, are we just assuming Murray has to be on Chris Paul then, right? Yeah, he basically does. <laughs> he's not a great defender either. And this is, and I think. He's, he's a guy who you like to have in, in those actions involved yes, that's as much as possible. That's for what's sure. so fascinating to me is they could be potentially, and you're right. I think you're right. They could be essentially conceding the idea of, okay, we're going to play a drop in a pick and roll. Now we're going <laughs> to, we're going to put Chris Paul and DeAndre in one of the best duos against a drop defense in the NBA over the course of the last three seasons in a defensive situation where we're dropping and the two defenders involved in that action are Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. And that might be their best option. Like, that's what we're talking about. And and that's just, so, mean, that's just so crazy is, to think about. Is it any better to you to put, you could put 
<laughs> some might consider this a laughable idea. You could put Michael Porter Jr. on Chris Paul, try and have him harass him a little bit with his length, and maybe he's a little bit less disastrous guarding the drop in a chaser role. I don't know if he's ever even done that, but you could hide Jamal Murray on on the fifth guy for the Suns, whoever that ends up being. I, it's something it's, to do. It's you know you're I, there, you're I, but there right. there aren't clear answers for how does Denver stop Phoenix. Well, in some ways, the, the smart part about them potentially doing what we just said, the defense lining up in the way that we just mentioned, is that they could essentially be trying to force the ball out of Devin Booker and. Kevin Durant's hands on the pick and rolls and saying, okay, let's let's force it into Chris Paul's hands and see if Chris Paul can beat us in this way. And maybe that's a good idea over the course of what could eventually be a long series because there's there's always the, the gamble of he does it a few games and maybe he runs out of gas later and that's when the Nuggets can capitalize on it. You know, I, I just don't, I don't know. KCP, is he a really good defender against Devin Booker? No. <laughs> you know, we've seen this, we've seen this before. Booker had 47 points in a closeout win with KCP guarding him. That's happened in the playoffs in the past, and he's two years older now. And two years older in a way that benefits Devin Booker, because Devin Booker is also two years older at this point. And like I, I'm not trying to be overly confident here, because the we'll talk about Denver's offense later, and I think that's going to be a problem for the Suns as well. But I, I don't know. I just It's the one thing that you could potentially say that they could do that could really kind of change things up is is removing Michael Porter Jr. from the starting lineup and putting Brown in there. Bruce Brown, by the way. You mean Bruce Brown. Yeah. They have two Browns. <laughs> Not Christian Brown. Uh, Bruce Brown. And then maybe you put Bruce Brown on Devin Booker. You put KCP on Chris Paul. Now you're taking your best off-ball shooter off the floor. You have somebody in mm-hmm. Bruce Brown that is more, much, much better defender, much, much more switchable, much more versatile as a defender, can potentially guard Chris Paul, can guard Devin Booker, can spend some possessions harassing Kevin Durant as much as possible. But and then yet, you're sacrificing their biggest threat against the Suns, which is their offense. Exactly. For all those things that Bruce Brown is, and I like him a lot, I think he's going to play 20 to 30 minutes per game in this series. He's clearly their six minute. Well, He's probably their sixth man. I think he should play more than Jeff Green. Jeff Green plays a decent amount, too. He played the third most minutes for them this year. Uh, Jeff you know. Green? No, I'm sorry. Br- Bruce Brown. Oh, Bruce Brown. As Shout a, out Jeff at, Green, at though, by minutes. the way, man. Yeah, Jeff yeah. Green's career, low-key, one of the more fascinating uh, stories yeah, he of rules. any NBA veteran. He ru- He's kind of sucks now, but he all, he rules. He's I, just I a cool him. dude. Yeah, I mean, he's like a <laughs> basketball player that basketball people love because he's, he's just, gone. He's yeah. gone through adversity and and yeah, cool dude. Yeah, he might not have um, it anymore, but you know, we'll see how they end up using him in this series. I think that could be interesting. Yeah, for but to Bruce Brown, for all that Bruce Brown is not a shooter, and the Nuggets need the shooting. They just do. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. Say what you will about him, but his ability to hit threes be a pick-and-pop threat, and also obviously attack closeouts. He still has some of the offensive flaws, too, that that we've maybe seen two years ago and, and other times in the past. But who else on the Nuggets has taken seven, eight threes per game? It's basically Jamal Murray and, and Michael Porter Jr., and there's no one else on that team. KCP will hit some spot-up threes. No one else on that team is really a three-point shooter. It's kind of just those three guys six, for the 16. entire, entire eight-man rotation that they're going to play in the, in the playoffs, it is. 16 points per game. On forty over forty percent three point shooting from Michael Porter Jr. in yeah. the first round, those are Tory Craig numbers. No, I'm kidding. Tory Craig shot way better than that. <laughs> Tory wow. Craig actually, by the way, ended the series twelve points per game, but was shooting sixty four percent from the field and fifty five percent from three. Shout out Tory Craig, an incredible first round uh, for Tory Craig. But with Michael Porter Jr. on the court, as much as Nuggets fans do say. His defense has improved, and I believe it has because it was honestly, he was one of the worst defenders in the NBA the last yeah. time the Suns played them in the playoffs. If it has improved, I, I believe you, and I will believe I, that. I just don't know that you can get away with even a slightly more uh, impactful version of MPJ on the court for significant minutes against the Suns starting lineup. I certainly believe he's a better defender than he was when he was directly battling a back injury against the Suns two years oh, ago. Oh, for sure. But to be honest, man, that that talking point, I've heard it so much this year, and it kind of just, it smells a little bit like cope to me, like a little <laughs> bit of copium. And, the stats and the aren't reason, good, yeah. The reason I say that, I mean, yes, this, and, and look, Nuggets fans have watched more Nuggets basketball than I have this year. It's just true. But 
I I have come from the experience last year specifically of what continuity when an overdose of continuity does to your brain where you kind of try and pick out the littlest narratives within your team from season to season and like maybe inflate their importance a little bit of like, oh, this thing is so much different than it was last year when it's really not. I kind of feel like that's what Denver is doing a little bit with this Michael Porter Jr. narrative, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Regardless, uh, if they want to get out of the series, he has to have the offensive series of his life. Yeah, and he could. Right, he's capable. He he's he's a gigantic shooter but he can't, who can run around screens and shoot off movement. He can't do that if you pull him out of the starting lineup though. Exactly. And that's so, I think the 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 real And let's switch it to the other side here and stay on the who guards who this I know that we're only going through two questions we're already going to be like halfway through the podcast here but this is this one is, of my questions too. So this is we'll, the biggest we, part. We're getting the big ones. Yeah, yeah, it's the biggest part of the series. So let's talk about who on the Suns is guarding who. Now, Aiton's on Jokic. Settled. That one's you settled. Sure? It just, I've been saying, start the series? Yeah, that's <laughs> going to happen. Look, <laughs> maybe you try Kevin Durant at some point, or you even go the route um, of, you know, like the, the 76ers put P.J. Tucker on him and it confused him a little bit. I uh, am, uh, I'm totally kidding. Aiton, Aiton's taking this one. Yeah, so Aiton's on him. Although, I wouldn't mind seeing Durant on him for a few possessions to see how it looks. But yeah, Aiton starts on him. We're starting there. I think the other one that you can say for sure is... Chris Paul on KCP. <laughs> That's the other one I think you can essentially guarantee. Now we get to the question of who guards the rest of the guys and then folding in another one of my questions because it has to be said right here, who is starting for the Suns? Who's the fifth guy mm. starting for the Suns? Because right now you have Murray, you have MPJ, and you have Aaron Gordon. Most likely scenario, Kevin Durant guards Aaron Gordon, right? I mean, I don't think you're going to want to put anyone else on him unless Torrey Craig starts. Yeah, it, it depends. I mean, I don't think we can answer that, those questions until we tackle the fifth guy conversation. Um, Who do you think should start? Because to me, I'll, I'll throw it out just, there. Yeah, sure. A Kogi on Murray makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, you know, man. In, the, in the same way that Torrey listen. Craig on Kawhi Leonard made sense in the last listen. series. You put a Kogi on Murray. Listen. Uh, Everyone's got their strengths, man. Everyone's got their particular strengths. I could buy the size argument for Torrey Craig on Kawhi Leonard. And I talked about in that series, going into that series, how I was worried that maybe it wasn't a Josh Akogi series for that reason. He didn't have the size. Okay, well, Josh Akogi, let's put it like this. Jamal Murray just had a great first-round series. The, the, the Nuggets... If some Suns fans, if their mind is not at ease with the way that we played in the first round, rest assured that Nuggets fans are having those same questions about their own team because they played the Timberwolves. Yes, they got out in five games. They had a blowout win in game one. Every other game in that series was decided by less than 10 points. They were close games. Yeah. The, the Timberwolves were in it. It was an overtime game even. Jamal Murray played a great series. However, Nuggets fans were made nervous by the by the defense. Specifically, they credit the defense of Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who kind of came out of nowhere in Minnesota's rotation, took on that challenge of guarding Jamal Murray directly one-on-one -on -one and did a great job. And you'll hear Denver people talk about right now, they'll say, oh, well, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Phoenix doesn't have a Nikhil Alexander-Walker to throw at Jamal Murray. They're, that's the type of shit they're saying right now. <laughs> Enter... <laughs> Uh, Josh Akogi for a Nikhil Alexander Walker. J.O. Josh Akogi. <laughs> this is your series, my friend. This is your series. And this is why I think we've been seeing gradually game by game. I mean, look, the, the goal against the Clippers is obviously ultimately to get out of the series. It's not necessarily so much that Monty was thinking ahead, but I don't think it's a coincidence that Josh played more and more minutes every successive game in that series. And Tori played fewer and fewer minutes. This is a Josh Akogi series. Last series was a Tory Craig series. Tory Craig, thank you so much. We'll shake your hand for shooting 55% from deep in that series. You were great. Uh, we appreciate your contributions. We're going to continue to need your contributions. Maybe you'll even start in the Western Conference Finals or the Finals. I don't know. But this is a Josh Akogi series. Pressure Jamal Murray. That is your job, Josh Akogi. And obviously, it and gets don't into get the screened, whole, right? Nightcrawler your the way whole, through screens. It gets into the whole offensive questions of can he hit an open three? You know, all the stuff that we're always worried about with Josh Akogi. He yeah. didn't shoot the ball well in the first series, but that's fine. Denver, you have to approach their offense from the standpoint of 
Jokic is going to get his against Dayton. It's just a question of if he's going to get his 30 points on uh, basically good efficiency or great efficiency. Those are your two options when dealing with Nikola Jokic. Um, but the only way they can win the series is if Jamal Murray also goes off, if Michael Porter Jr. also goes off. And so you kind of have to approach the Jokic question like teams used to approach Steve Nash back in the day when he was MVP for the Suns, which is turn that guy into a scorer and shut every other part of their offense off. That begins with putting Josh Okoge on the Jamal Murray assignment 100% for me. I'm there with you, man. I you know I, I don't think it it's a big leap to make this judgment here. It's not like some really advanced analysis here. I just like what do you do with Torrey Craig if he's in? Do you want him chasing Murray around screens, or do you put him on Aaron Gordon? Now you want Devin Booker chasing Murray around screens, or do you have the other option is Devin Booker on MPJ, and it's Josh Okogie chasing Murray, harassing him, making his life as hard as possible. And you look. Ultimately, the job of Josh Kogi will be to get cooked every once in a while by Murray because he's going to be working his ass off, and that often means overplaying a little bit. It is what it is. It's, that's what it takes when guys are good at using screens and navigating screens. And I, look, I think you're there too. And look, I, I'm sorry to those who are the to those who are the Kevin Durant needs the ball in his hands every possession kind of guys, kind of uh, viewers, fans. If if it ends up being Josh Okogie, the best possible play is an empty corner pick and roll with Devin Booker and DeAndre and with Torrey Craig, I'm sorry, with Josh Okogie and Kevin Durant on the weak side. When you have Torrey Craig in the weak side, he can just stand in the corner, right? And this is an advantage. That means you can put Kevin Durant on the ball. You can put whoever you want on the ball to do that. When you have Josh Okogie, it's probably best that he's doing something. Not just standing still. Look, he can stand still occasionally. But if you want him screening a little bit off the ball, it's a pretty good scenario when they hide their worst defender on Josh Okoge. And on the weak side, he's screening for Kevin Durant. And yeah. Devin Booker yeah. has the option to swing the ball to Kevin can, Durant um, on the weak side. Yeah, you can have him set exit screens for Durant kind of flaring around on, on the weak side. That's that's absolutely something the Suns could do. Yeah, you put Durant in the corner. You put Josh Okoge on the wing. Devin Booker's going right on a left side empty corner pick and roll. All of a sudden, the defender comes off of uh, Okogi. Okogi's setting a screen while Kevin Durant lifts to the wing. Devin Booker has a clear pass to Kevin Durant with maybe the worst defender switching on him on the other team, able to shoot or attack the closeout. It just makes a lot of sense. And you could do that, of course, with Devin Booker as as well, right? Instead of Kevin Durant, with Kevin Durant on the ball. But the size difference between whoever's go, going to be guarding a, a Kogi and Devin Booker is not going to be the same as the difference between Kevin Durant and, and that defender, whoever it ends up being in this scenario. Maybe it's MPJs and the size difference isn't that different. But it's still MPJ, you know? Or maybe it's Jokic <laughs> guarding a Kogi and he just doesn't guard him at all. And then you have to figure out ways around that. But... I think at the very least, maybe it becomes a problem, right? Maybe it becomes a problem that a Kogi's in. I'm not ruling that out. If the Nuggets just play the smartest defense they've ever played and find ways to to really take advantage of that. But I think you have to start with that. And look, if they end up putting Jokic on him, it's not Craig. It's it's a Kogi. He's fast. He can move with the ball. If Jokic is closing out slow to a Kogi, he's going to attack him. He's going to try to get him in foul trouble, right? He's going to move the ball yep. to the center. Or at the very least, if they're trying to find him in cross matches in transition, a Kogi can push the ball up himself 100%. Yep. in a way that Torrey Craig can't. And, you know, I think you have to try these these things. And I hope Monty Williams is willing to try it to start. I, I think... I think that's no, I to start and but I just have a good feeling about it. I mean, I think it's a really good point there that you know, you look at pace, if we talk about kind of the difference in pace between what Josh does versus what Tori does, the Nuggets are not there are teams that could give the Suns trouble with their pace because the Suns are a fairly slow team. The Nuggets are not one of those teams. They're they're just not. In fact, they had a pace of just ninety four point eight possessions. Uh, in round one against the Timberwolves, that was even slower than, than the Suns pace in their series against the Clippers. Uh, this series in many ways, both of these offenses are so good in the half court and both of these offenses are so efficient at not turning the ball over in the half court. In fact, they're the two teams of the 16 playoff teams. These are the two teams that turn the ball over the least in round one. That's right. how efficient right. both of these offenses are. 
a lot of it is going to come down to the margins of transition, I think, of just who can end up forcing both of these near-perfect decision-making offenses uh, and who can goad them into more live ball turnovers. Yeah. And you just you analyze that question, and the answer is going to be Josh Okogi can can help the Suns do that. Torrey Craig probably cannot. He can play some good stand-up defense, but he's not going to be able to create those live ball turnover situations and then take an end-to-end in transition. Uh, in the same way that Akogi can, so it's it's just it's clear in my mind what this needs to be. Yeah, I think too. Often when the stars are off the court, if it's going to be any minutes with Murray and Jokic off the court, Aaron Gordon's going to be on. And in those scenarios, you can just check Tory Craig in and let Tory Craig check Aaron Gordon in those bench minutes and just battle with him as much as possible using strength. Um, because look, Aaron Gordon's going to try to be physical with Durant if Durant's guarding him as much as possible and try to wear him down. And on the other side of that, if Aaron Gordon's guarding Durant, Durant's going to make him go around a lot of screens and, and fight through guys and maybe get him in foul trouble with his just, you know, it's impossible to guard Durant. So you have to foul him sometimes. Uh, so that specific battle will be interesting. If Aaron Gordon comes out early, maybe they try to match Kevin Durant's minutes with Aaron Gordon as much as possible, and that means 40, 45 minutes for Aaron Gordon uh, in the game if that ends up happening. But um, okay, it's settled. <laughs> we talked about defense, and there's going to be more talk about that, I'm sure. We talked about who's starting. We talked about who guards who in the starting lineup. That, to me, you know, we could almost end the podcast here. There are still a lot more questions that we're going to cover. <laughs> but like that's we covered such the a basics huge of part. offense and defense. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, just yeah. such a huge part of the series. Um, you know, we're talking basketball here. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's what's the next one you got on your list? Well, I guess this is. Our, have we gone to break yet? At this point in the podcast, this would probably be a good way to come out yeah. of break. <laughs> this would be a good way to come out of break. All right, put on my Stephen A. Smith hat. Is DeAndre Ayton ready <laughs> for the Legacy Series? This is the Legacy Series for DeAndre Ayton, and look for, I for good or for worse, right? For yep, I didn't listen to all the guys you listened to, but I listened to Zach Lowe's thoughts today, just briefly about it with uh, Marks and Beck on, and just he he phrased it this way as as well. This is the Aiton series. This is what everyone's going to be watching. You've had that nice little role up until now, uh, doing what you did in round one, but we need him locked in. It's it's playtime's over, man. <laughs> this is time for one hundred ten percent effort and concentration out of DeAndre Aiton. We've seen him do it before. He had, I still think to this day, the best series we've ever seen uh, against Nikola Jokic one-on-one directly that we've seen out of like anyone in the entire NBA was his series, uh, DeAndre Ayton's series two years ago. Uh, But can he replicate those efforts? We know he's going to be left on an island much of the time because the Suns are going to hesitate to double Jokic. They're going to try and guard him uh, one-on-one in a lot of situations. 
So it's going to be really tough on him. Can he stay out of foul trouble? Can he stay engaged? Um, is a lack of offensive touches, if that ends up being the case, is that going to affect his defensive focus? There are all sorts of many questions rolled into one when it comes to DeAndre Ayton's performance. But to be clear, the Suns need a good DeAndre Ayton performance in this series to escape. They just do. One, Jokic is better than he was two years ago. He is. Two, DeAndre Ayton's worse. <laughs> I mean, you can make the case that he's worse. Can he reach the levels that he reached two years ago? Can he reach the levels that he reached last year in the uh, Pelican series, for example, in the playoffs? He hasn't yet. Um, and it, look, if we're talking the biggest questions, the, the biggest question for the Nuggets is how they defend the Suns. The biggest question for the Suns is DeAndre in full stop. What can he do? Can he, can he stay out of foul trouble? Right, he did yeah. before. Can he? Can he continue to do that now? There was issues in the regular season in the Durant games with him in foul trouble. Can he stay out of foul trouble now? Um, can he rebound well against the physicality that the Nuggets are going to attempt to bring? That's going to be huge, huge, huge for him. And then two, can he guard him essentially as close to straight up as possible? Meaning. The Suns don't have to bring help because Jokic just tears up help with his you incredible can't. vision in passing. You can't. You have to play him as straight up as possible. Can he do that? Can he force him into more jumpers? Can he force him further and further away from the rim to eliminate the possibility of offensive rebounds from Nikola Jokic to eliminate the possibility of him finding shooters and cutters because the Suns are bringing a second guy over and over again? Can he defend well in the pick and roll between Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic? That... Pick and roll is good, right? It's not as good as I would want it to be if I were a Nuggets fan, but if they can find a way to pick on DeAndre Ayton in it, that could be the whole series. That yeah, could end I, the series if they, if they think, find a way there. I think the good news there is that it feels rare that we get to talk about a playoff series where the Suns just the Suns most used defensive scheme throughout the regular season by far was playing a drop coverage, and this is finally maybe a series where we just get to stay in that. Not to say that Jamal Murray can't punish the drop. He has a pull-up three. Not to say that, you know, Jokic to an extent can't punish the drop as well. But in general, if the, the Suns are trying to force Denver towards that middle area of the floor where maybe they're a little bit less comfortable, maybe their percentages aren't quite as good in the mid-range. So I think to a to a grand extent, Ayton will be less in uncharted waters defensively this series than in some other series. It's going to be in the one-on-one -on -one ISO scenarios against uh, against Jokic that we really need him just locked in and, and, and focused. Um, and just to quote those stats again, from 2021, when Jokic got swept, he averaged 25, 13, and 6, so great per-game stats, but on 48% uh, shooting from the field, 28% from deep, 68% from the free-throw line, he's going to get his 25 to 30 points per game no matter what. And, and honestly, in this series, the Suns could win the series and he could average 35. It would almost be could. better if he is. Because 100%. the number that stands out in that 25, 13, and 5.8 assists is the 5.8 assists. That's the best possible scenario for the Suns where he's not creating a whole bunch of offense from his passing because the for Suns sure. are capable of guarding them essentially one-on-one -on -one outside of... Uh, that specific matchup with DeAndre and able to quote unquote handle Nikola Jokic, who of course, like you said, 25, 13 and six is crazy, but the shooting yeah, was great. low and, and 5.8 assists for him is low. He, he's the whole offensive system for this team. It's, they want it's him at bad, 13 it, assists, you know? Yeah, it's a bad, it's a bad series for him. It just is. Um, and the level of offensive talent he has around him now is just better. You know, he's not playing with Facundo Campazzo and Austin Rivers in the backcourt anymore. Right. That's true. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that the Suns are just going to start doubling him in the post and bringing help and making it easy on him to find those cutters and shooters. At least I hope not. Also, it's worth noting, Jokic has a right wrist sprain currently. Uh, he's obviously playing through it. Uh, he had a, a tough performance. I don't know if you watched that game five there. Uh, well, of course, the Suns game was going on at the same time. Yeah, so his stats. The shooting was eight, bad. He shot eight for 29 in that closeout game against the Timberwolves. Um, I think it's fair to say an outlier performance because he just simply has not had a shooting performance that poor in years. 
so I like eight for twenty nine. That's not going to suddenly become the norm for him. However, you do kind of wonder a little bit: is you know, is that wrist maybe affecting him in a way that it hadn't up until now? Could that have played a little bit of a role in his shooting performance there? And then maybe if you can try and turn him in, into even more of a scorer and be as aggressive as possible again, um, maybe he's playing right into your your strategy if you do that. So I don't know. That'll be just his health will also be something to monitor throughout this series. Uh, Jokic and Aiton met once in the regular season this year. Uh, we all know the game. <laughs> it was Christmas Day. Devin Booker played three minutes, left the game with an injury that kept him out a few more weeks. A whole month, actually. Um, Jokic ended that game with 41 points, 11 rebounds. Or, I'm sorry, 41 points, 15 rebounds, 15 assists is what he ended that game with. And, uh, you know, tough. Tough. Jokic played the Suns one other time this year. DeAndre and did not play that game. And just for reference, Bismack Biombo played 15 minutes and was minus 31. Yeah. <laughs> he um look, I love Biz. But look, uh, that was a Dwayne Washington Jr. starting game, right? You know, okay, like, but but we no, have to but factor that, gets, that in too. It's true, but that gets to an important point here, which is that the reason it's so important that DA is locked in is because what is the contingency plan? There isn't one. Biz, I love him, but he he doesn't have the size to contain Jokic. He just doesn't. And neither does Jock. Yeah, Jock can't do it either. Yeah, the strength. It's really a strength difference. And DeAndre, and even if he doesn't act like it sometimes, is one of the strongest guys in the league if he's just able to focus for the the length of time it takes to win the series. Look, as short of a series as possible for the Suns is the best case scenario here because the longer you play against Nikola Jokic, the more painful it gets. But look. The reality of Jokic is that's kind of the case for him too. If he has to play 45 minutes against the Suns and the Suns are involving him in every single action defensively, he's going to get tired too, probably a little faster than Devin Booker, for example. Um, And that's good for the Suns as well. I don't know. Look, if he plays, he played over 40 minutes in in multiple games in the playoffs so far. If Jokic plays over 40 minutes in the playoffs, Aiton doesn't. I'm not really sure what we do in that scenario. Do we go to Kevin Durant at center for some of those minutes and let Durant guard him? Do we just put Biombo in and hold our breath and cross our fingers? No, I think they just hold their breath with four or five minutes of biz. But I, I do think, you know, Aiton progressively played more throughout the series as well uh, against the Clippers. And I, I, I don't think that was a coincidence either. He played, he got up to 36 minutes the last two games of that series. Yeah. So it, that should be the norm for him. I This should be, and I know it's tough. It's tough with the Denver altitude and, and everything, but hopefully Aiton's conditioning is in a place where he can average 36 minutes per game for this next series. That would be my goal. And then if Jokic is playing 40 or 42, you fill in the last few minutes with a little bit of biz. And um, I think they could go small, but I think it's more likely that if the Suns are going small, it's when Denver is also going small and the two are kind of mismatched. If, if they do, yeah. And they, look, they actually do have multiple guys that can play small ball center. I don't know how often they do it. They, they don't really have do a good backup center. so They need to do it because yeah. the, uh, we, we haven't mentioned them up until this point, but Denver, they've they've only got an eight-man rotation, really, based on their first-round series. They can play Jeff Green, who's a forward. They can play Christian Brown, who's like a big guard. Uh, and they can play Bruce Brown, who's kind of everything at once, everything yeah. everywhere all at once. He's every position. Yeah. Uh, they don't have – they have DeAndre Jordan – He's played ten wanna, minutes in the playoffs. You want to bring in? You want to bring in DeAndre Jordan? I hope for they 10 do. <laughs> call me, call me do. Patrick Beverly because I am licking my chops <laughs> if you bring DeAndre Jordan into the game and try and run a drop defense on us. So you know, I don't really think that's viable. So Jokic, he'll play forty minutes. He can't play forty-eight. They got to figure out something to do for the other eight and change. Yep, uh, it's going to be fascinating to see, and like a lot of pressure is going to be on DeAndre, and he'll make some mistakes, but overall. If, if the Suns can find a way to not let him get his 13 assists, even if it means he's scoring 40 on DeAndre Ayton, but they're able to shut off the faucet everywhere else, that could still benefit the Suns. And that's going to be harder. Like you said, that's going to be much harder. There are better offensive players on this team. And look, it could be uh, it could be a series where no defense. I'll just move on to my next question. It could be a series where no defensive played is played. Um, because you want to guess the team that has the worst defensive rating in the playoffs so far of all the teams left? It's the Nuggets? Really? It's the Suns. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Fair. Okay. It's the Suns. Look, yep, the Suns I, have a 116 sense. defensive rating so far 
in the playoffs because of the pressure that the Clippers put on them. You know, we talk a lot, a lot about how Denver can defend the Suns. Look, there's a reason we do that. The It's been the Nuggets undoing in the playoffs multiple times, including to this very team. But the Suns, who had good defense with Kevin Durant in, in the regular season, particularly when Josh Okogi started, because those were the games where Josh Okogi started, that went away pretty dramatically in the playoffs. And to be fair to Torrey Craig, he had the best defensive rating. It's too small of a sample size to take those type of individual player offensive and defensive ratings seriously, especially because of the fact that KD and Devin Booker are playing basically the entire game. So how much do you take um, that into account here? But the Suns have... It's a question mark. My question for the Suns is defense question mark (laughs) because what are they going to do against the Nuggets? And that's why I think I wanted to bring this up as this part of the conversation because so much of that hinges on how well DeAndre and individually is able to stand up to Nikola Jokic. If we start a game in this series in eight and gets two quick fouls, it's going to be really difficult to do anything against this team defensively. The Nuggets are a very, very, very good offensive team. The Suns are better so far in the playoffs. And I, to be honest, I think they played a better defensive team, even without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, than what the Nuggets can be. So maybe this series is just who can score 140 four times instead of who can score 120 and keep the other team to below that. But I think what I'd like to see is I think we saw, especially in the third quarter of the final game, the Suns reach a point offensively where you said that's that's a championship-level team. It's There have only been a few small stretches where I think they've hit that ceiling defensively in the mm-hmm. first round, and they're going to need to hit that ceiling defensively for at least four games. I guess is the best way to put it in order yeah. to beat this Nuggets team. I mean, look, they got to do it with team principles, obviously, but they also had just have to do it with a lot of effort plays. I think that's what was often lacking uh, when they were playing at their worst against the Clippers and hopefully what we see more of. And why I said earlier, a lot of the series to me is going to come down to things like forcing live ball turnovers. A lot of it is also going to be rebounding. The, the Nuggets are not the most physical team out there necessarily, but they do have guys who can punish you if you're not being um if you're not being aware on the defensive glass. Aaron Gordon is a good example, a guy who they're going to have to box out pretty much constantly. Michael Porter Jr. could be better uh, of a, of a rebounder for his size obviously, but Jokic uh is obviously going to be a presence for Aiden to handle. So it's it's going to come down to a lot of effort plays on the defensive end for the Suns and I, I, is it good for the sport? If every game comes down to 140 to 139 uh, in in this series between these two teams, I don't really know. Would I enjoy watching that? I don't really know. Um, sounds pretty stressful. <laughs> it sounds pretty stressful. If the Suns are leaving three-point shooters open when they have a lead the way they did in the Clippers series, I might pull my hair out. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's going it's going to be hard. Look, they, they have, uh, I think, better offensive players if, they, if they're fully healthy than the, the Clippers do. The Clippers, of course, were essentially the best shooting team going into the playoffs. But the Nuggets, they have a lot of shooting too. And they can hurt you in a lot of different ways. And if Murray continues to play at the level that he was playing against the Timberwolves, uh, it's just that's that they're a, a better offensive team than what the Clippers were. Clippers very, very well coached and I think took advantage of the Suns in the right ways. And maybe the Nuggets can too. Being that, like I said, they're better than they were, and it's important for Suns fans to remember that, especially offensively, I think. And it'll be interesting to see how the Suns defend them. They have to be on their game, guarding players off the ball. There's a lot of smart cutters on this team, whether it's KCP, Aaron Gordon is an amazing cutter. Murray, pretty good. Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, an amazing cutter. And, and, you know, that's basically their whole rotation. Christian Brown might play too. And Christian Brown can do a few things offensively, but he's not going to... He probably won't kill you. He might have one great game where you just think, wow, we can't let that guy loose. But uh, they got to be on their game off the ball. No falling asleep. 
I apologize for the very corny, uh, like, what IPAs do you have on tap basketball hipster type comment that's about to come out of my mouth. But, yeah, they they play the beautiful game, <laughs> the Nuggets do. Like, that's kind of <laughs> how they, it's kind of, you know, that's the type of corny thing that, like, basketball hipsters will say to each other in, in a bar. It's like, oh, yeah. If you um, have a center that can pass, you have to be able to cut. You can't build a team around a center that they've can pass got, without cutters. And they just have a guy in him who is the most special combination of decision-making and size that we've ever seen at his position. He, he really is. He's just that special. If the Nuggets are going to get out of the series, it's going to be with him playing to that absolutely special level and getting a lot for himself, but also getting just juicing the most out of his teammates. And yeah, yeah, you got to You got to try and shut some of that off. Yep. Yep. I agree with that. Uh, okay, I think that was how many mine. questions. How many questions do you have left? I, I have, have two. one, two, uh, I guess three. Well, sort Jesus. of four. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Okay, we'll we'll breeze through these. Here, let me um, do mine. Okay, because I have more than you. All right, I, and you t- kind of touched on it, but it was how physical can the Nuggets get? Sure. Um, so it's part of it's part of how they defend us. So it's all wrapped up together. So it's not quite different. But I think it's important to know that. In their starting lineup, I think they have two off- or yeah, two offensive rebounding threats in Aaron Gordon and Jokic. The other three guys, I wouldn't call them massive offensive rebounding threats, but if you have a lineup with Aaron Gordon, Jokic, and Bruce Brown, all three of those guys are going to chase offensive boards against the Suns because you should, especially if there's a scenario where Kevin Durant's off the floor. The Suns can get killed by offensive rebounds. Aaron Gordon, Bruce Brown, strong physical guys, probably the two guys that you can be most afraid of when it comes to physicality on the offensive boards. Now, the other side of the physicality, the Clippers were fouling Kevin Durant the entire game, every single game. And the reason they got away with it is because they're smart defenders who did it right away. The very first game of the series, they started doing that. Are the Nuggets going to try to do that? Do they have the personnel that can get away with it without fouling? And that's going to be, because if they don't, we saw Kevin Durant stifled as much as possible. He probably averaged 25 points at the end of that series. Mm-hmm. He can he can explode. He can average 35 in a series if he's not stifled like that. Um, so that those two levels of physicality, I think, are going to be important to watch from the beginning of the series. Yeah, I, I absolutely would echo those points. Um, it's going to be very important. On the other hand, I think there there is an optimistic grain to take out of it, which I wrote down here in my notes too, which is, that the Nuggets, they do get offensive rebounds. They can be physical, but they're not necessarily always physical in the way that some of these teams are that we worry about when they play the Suns. Like some of these teams, when we talk about rim pressure specifically, these teams that just drive the ball down your throat and really just force free throws down your throat and force the officials to slow the game down and and um, and blow their whistles. Uh, that's not necessarily who the Nuggets are. They can get offensive rebounds. It is a concern. They were, in the regular season, only 24th in free throw attempts per game. And once they got there, you mentioned Aaron Gordon as a guy who can punish you on the offensive glass. Uh, The Nuggets also uh, uh, ranked 26th in free throw percentage. A big reason for that was Aaron Gordon, who gets to the line several times per game and only shoots like 55-60%. There are other guys on their team who maybe are only 70-75% free throw shooters uh, when they should be better. So there, there are some optimistic things to take here too. It's like they play physical, but they don't necessarily play physical in the way that like the Bucks, who are now <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe not even the team to mention actually, because because they're oh I don't mind the mention reason. I don't mind the mention. Um, Nothing happened. Like, actually, it was a successful season for them if you really successful. think about it. Yeah, if you really, it's about the friends we made along the way. Um, of course. The, the the Bucks though we were always afraid of playing the Bucks to a certain extent just because of the physicality. <laughs> the team the I was are, the most afraid of. The yeah, Nuggets and isn't are that funny now? Yeah, yeah, it is very funny. The Nuggets are physical in a different way. They just are. I think it's um, it's something that if they figure out a way to do it, and maybe that's like I said, starting Bruce Brown at some point in the series. That's how they claw their way into it. If the Suns end up with the lead, maybe they jump out to a big lead to two games two zero against the Suns on their offense alone. But at some point, I think they're going to have to find a way to slow Kevin Durant down. I think they're going to struggle with that. But Mary, maybe Aaron Gordon has a series of his life guarding Kevin Durant. We'll see. Uh, what's your next one? What is my next one? I have to find my notes. Your last one. Oh, um, 
Can okay, can Book and KD mesh in this series in a way that puts more of us at ease? Um, I think that as good as the Suns were, maybe some people are thinking it's a silly question given that we just had the highest offensive rating of all time or whatever the stat yeah. was. I, was it literally that? I don't remember yeah, if it was literally in the playoffs. In, in, yeah. um, but look, it's one and round. yet. And yet, it was against the Kawhi and PG list uh, Clippers, one and, round, and yeah. a lot of us. A lot of us just bitched. I mean, that's just what we do, right? We come on here, we bitch. We go to Twitter, we bitch. Uh, <laughs> we go to Reddit, we bitch. But like yeah. Discord, we bitch. It's anywhere. But I mean, we really did bitch a lot about like, the chemistry. The margins, <laughs> the margins on this team are important. We're no longer talking well, about a successful season if you win one round. Yeah, well, we're championship per- or bust, man. We're championship or bust. If you'll permit me to bitch even a little bit more, of um, course. I, you know, I think we had some concerns about the way that Booker had the series of his life. Katie was great, and yet it just didn't quite always click on offense for those two specifically, uh, in a way that I guess a lot of people expected. Obviously, it was kind of shocking, I think, to to a lot of national people in the space as well as they were reacting to it. Like, oh my God, Kevin Durant is in the corner. What's going on? And I think a lot of that stuff is going to be very important. It's going to be very important for the Suns to initiate, uh, like, with KD out of the corner, a lot of their sets in a series like this. Maybe go to empty corner stuff. The Nuggets are hedging or, or they're playing at the level or whatever. And you can kind of get the weak side help involved in there and get them into rotations. And, like, all that stuff is going to be important. However, so much of how KD and Book played off of each other in round one was implicit with KD in the corner while Booker Booker was on ball um, or KD's on ball, but then Book's on the weak side. I would like to see if we can start involving more of them directly together in the same actions. Uh, if if we maybe get a little bit more KD at the five in a series like this, he doesn't even necessarily have to play at the five. Maybe he's not at the five, but you get a little bit more Booker, KD, pick and roll. In a series like this, I think there are certain matchups that you could target out of that specifically. I have a feeling Michael Porter Jr., as much as the Nuggets are going to hide him, he's going to end up on Devin Booker in some possessions. He's going to end up on Kevin Durant in some possessions. You want to be able to find him in those situations when he's there using the right screens. Uh, and also just, I don't know if it's necessarily something that you need to have perfect right now. But if you're going to advance, it builds towards having good reps out of like that specific combo together, which you might need against some other teams further down the line, maybe some better defenses. So I would like to see what the cohesion between those two, how that kind of develops throughout this series. Um, in some ways, it's good that the Suns didn't have to... Like, for example, they didn't really do an inverted pick and roll with Devin Booker screening for Kevin Durant, right? Clearing out one side of the court, letting those two guys do it and seeing what what any defense could possibly do against that. It's in some ways it's good that they didn't have to do that against the Clippers, right? Because now Yeah, they didn't have to show all their cards. They didn't have to. Yeah, right? They have sure. it now in their pocket if they want to try to go to it or something like that in particular. Um but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's important for it started. I think we started to see it get so much better in the final two games of that series. You can see the offense moving, the assists were coming. You know, Chris Paul was more involved, DeAndre Ayton was more involved in game 4 or game 5. And I think you can start to see the offense kind of getting better with these guys knowing where the, each other is going to be in specific plays. Um, but look, riding the hot hand in Devin Booker in that first series, regardless of the, the Durant fans who got here post-trade, regardless of how they feel, that was the right choice. And the Suns won that series on the back of Devin Booker. And they might be able to get out of this series going with exactly the same method. Yeah, and or it might be the it's, other way around, right? It might be the other way riding, around. Riding KD, yeah. It's just it's the basketball nerd in me and in us, I, I suspect, that wants to see those two directly involved in actions with each other. Yeah, right? I just I just want to see how teams try to defend it. Because it's just good it's teams. basketball it's basketball porn. And yeah. when when people like Zach Lowe or like these national writers or whatever are choosing to tune into a Suns Nuggets game when they could potentially tune into a Warriors Lakers game, which everyone else in America will be watching if that ends up being the other series in the second round in the Western Conference. They'll be doing it because of concepts like that. They'll be doing it because of the high level basketball, um, even though Warriors Lakers again will be will like break records numbers for the league. 
and I'm sure ESPN would be very happy if it ended up if they end up getting a Lakers Knicks finals. Uh, meanwhile, the best basketball played could very well be in this series right here. Yep, yep, I agree with that. It's going to be a fascinating, fascinating series, regardless of what happens. Here's another one: Does home court matter? Suns don't have home court in this series. There is a path to the finals if you want to think ahead where the Suns could have home court in the Western Conference Finals if they're able to get out of this series with the Nuggets. In fact, I would say that's the most likely scenario if it's Warriors versus Lakers. But they don't have it now, and this is the series they're facing now. Well, I don't know if you know this, Sam. Denver's pretty high altitude. Uh, I have a feeling they're going to mention that. Statistically, the, the best. This is collected over many, many years of data, not just like this season or whatever best home court advantage in the NBA it's, that's not close the Suns are in Colorado today they're not there tomorrow they're not there Saturday they're there today they're practicing at high altitude right now as we speak they're trying to get ready for this series and get used to that altitude it's going to matter playing a lot of minutes is going to matter did it affect the Suns two years ago no they were really good in Denver credit to them for being really good but they didn't have COVID. They they didn't have COVID one. They also started with a two game lead that they got at home. Yeah. You know, and that's a huge advantage for a team going in there with a, that level of confidence. They're going to have to win in Denver to win the series. There's only three home games. Ideally, they win one of these first two games, if not both, of course. That's the best case scenario. But they're going to have to win in Denver. So that home court, you know, that crowd, although by game four the Suns had a bigger crowd in Denver than the Nuggets did but that home court that crowd that altitude I guess in some ways the the Suns are pretty lucky the Nuggets don't play fast it's kind of bizarre that they don't considering that home court advantage by the way uh, but that's going to be a, a huge huge question going forward absolutely they gotta win um, two more we'll fly through these really quick since we're already getting close to an hour here gotcha. I'm surprised you didn't have this one Three-pointers. Do the Suns take yeah. more? Because it's, I mean, it's important. I, I kind of figured that people are getting tired of hearing me say it at this point, so I figured I'd lay off the gas there. But, yeah, they need to take threes. Be a modern team, for fuck's sake. Uh, do you have anything else to say about that one? Uh, let me bring up the stats real quick, and I want to talk about it because three-point percentage-wise, the Suns have the second highest in the playoffs so far. Did you know that? Um, I didn't know it was second highest. I knew it was pretty good. Th- again, thank you, Tory Craig. I, I mean, yeah. it's why we're advocating for Josh Okogie to start, but it's going to be difficult for them to hit my 30-per-game benchmark if Josh Okogie's playing 30, 35 minutes matching up on, on Jamal Murray a lot of that time. Right, right. It's true. Uh, one of the it's, reasons it's they have such a good percentage is because it's Devin Booker and Kevin Durant shooting most of them, and they're shooting lights out from the three-point line right now, uh, along with Tory Craig. Um, so look, if the Suns can maintain a really high three-point percentage and take less, that'll help them if they're taking less. Um, but only one team is taking less, or I'm sorry, the Suns are taking the least. Only one team is t- is making less than the Suns per game so far in the playoffs, and that's the New York Knicks, who are also moving on <laughs> to the second round. I but can't. They're doing it on the back of their defense, you know. For that, I can't wait for that second round. By the way, yeah, it's gonna uh, rule. I'm, I'm really, really <laughs> looking forward to it. Last thing for you, and this is a question we talked about it in our last game. Uh, who plays off the bench for the Suns in this series? Is Shamit going to play? Is Damian Lee going to play? Biombo's probably going to play. I think we can write that one in pen. Is I've Campaign got, going to play? I hope so. Uh, we don't I've got know though. Three names for you. Okay. Landry, Michael, and Shamit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I, I hope that the Suns at this point run with basically an eight-man rotation where the only players off the bench. Well, because we're going to assume Craig's off the bench in our imaginary scenario. Again, look, it's hard to it's hard to get up enough threes in the situation that I'm imagining. Basically, I'm imagining an eight-man rotation where it's just Payne, Craig, and Biombo. Um. Maybe there's some room for a ninth guy in there, and that ninth guy I would go between either Damian Lee or I I still wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more Terrence Ross. I think he got uh, pulled maybe a little bit too early in the Clippers series. I wouldn't mind giving him another, another Against chance. these cutters, 
I would do it. these cutters, man. I don't I'd know. Give him a, I'd give them a chance. They're going to slice about, him up. <laughs> we're, we're talking about a five to ten minute stint, and I think you need the offense. You need the shooting. Yeah. You need the audacity. Right. I just know You're that right. I am not playing Landry Shamit. <laughs> Please, God, Monty, listen to us this time. I think I'd rather Please. have Lee if that's that the, that's the case. I would rather play Lee. Yes, I don't I'd mind giving Lee, it a but try. But ultimately, I, I would rather play Cam. I'd rather play campaign because yeah. I really do like campaign's pace. I want to see what he's got. Um, okay, I guess Monty didn't think he was ready last time. He only played three minutes in, in game five against the Clippers, but I hope he's ready now. I hope he's ready for a 10 or 15 minute per game role at the very least. Give Chris Paul a little bit of an extended break. That doesn't mean it needs to be a lineup with, um, you know, where you basically throw campaign out there and let him die with a bunch of bench players. You can play him next to Booker and KD and actually get quite productive results, arguably sometimes even better results. Uh, with those three on the floor than you would with Chris Paul, just because campaign shoots such a good catch and shoot three point percentage and is so willing to shoot them and, and also attack closeouts. So I think you can get some good stuff out of it, but we need to see him play. Number one, number one thing I want to see in the series is Devin Booker continuing his run as the best and most effective player in the playoffs so far. I'm pretty excited. Any last thing you want to mention before we end this one? Number one thing I want to see in this series is another series sweep. No, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. Um, you know you know the deal. We don't do series predictions. Uh, I will just say, similar to how I felt in the Clippers series preview, um, that I feel pretty confident about this one. Uh, but uh, it's it, that doesn't mean it's going to be a challenge. It's tough it's because we have yet to see. Look, they haven't seen us either, but we haven't really seen them healthy either. Right, the teams that played against Jokic are not the teams that are going into the playoffs. For one, Devin Booker played three minutes against the Nuggets all season. Um, outside of when the Nuggets played all their bench guys and the Suns beat them with Kevin Durant at the end of the season. So it's kind of tough being that we have yet to see it. So I think what people are, anyone who's brave enough to make predictions, they're doing it just based off looking at some Excel spreadsheets here. Uh, and that's not something that I like to do. And that's not, I know that's not something you like to do, Sam. Uh, so we're just going to have to watch it. And I'm looking forward to watching it. I have a feeling it's going to be entertaining. I hope it's not too stressful for us or for you Suns fans listening. Uh, but I'm excited either way. We'll be back after every single game. That's the plan. Playback at some point in this round as well. Some We'd like point to do in this game. series, probably, I, I would say maybe a home game for that, like a game three, game four type situation. But we'll keep you guys updated on that for sure. Keep you updated definitely for sure. Um, hopefully we'll have time to bring you some Patreon content as well. If you want to join to listen to extra podcasts, patreon.com slash the timeline. You can also join our discord full of Suns fans, uh, sometimes dooming, sometimes celebrating. It'll be really fun during the playoffs to interact in there, but thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back to you very soon. Go Suns. Go Suns.